This is a HeadGum Podcast. Thanks for listening to No Joke with Billy and Adam on the HeadGum Podcast Network. This is the show where we tackle a topic oh so loosely and discuss our previous, present, and future relationship to it. Today's topic was late night, and our guest was Arthur Meyer. We hope you enjoy the No Joke Podcast. Welcome back. It's the No Joke Podcast. I am Billy Scafiori. I'm Adam Lustig. And it is episode number 88. 88, Bill. And uh, we usually do a lot of banter about the number uh, of the episode. Oh, we banter. Uh, but we're going to just forego that banter. <laughs> okay, great. We're foregoing it Bec- and foregone. Because we need... Very good. Because we need to introduce our friend and guest immediately. <laughs> One of our favorite people on the planet of Earth. We often fake it and say that this is a good friend of ours and we're so glad to have them in the studio. Most times that's all usually... 50-50. We fake it? <laughs> You've been faking it this whole time? This guy <laughs> is one of the first friends we've ever made in comedy. True. And um, he's here now. We were just talking about the number 88 for so long that we should just bring him on the microphone <laughs> immediately. Here he is, <laughs> Arthur Meyer. Hey, guys. I love you both. 88. <laughs> love you too, man. I, I love you guys dearly and deeply. It's sincere and it's true. It You're is. One of it the, really is. I have two friends who um, I, I do and uh, they do in reciprocation to me uh, – what I'm trying to say is I tell them I love them randomly and at any random time via text. Could be day or night, like apropos of nothing, you're one of them. Oh, it's the best. I love – and it's also great. I, I love whenever I get a text from you guys or anything and especially you, Billy, will text me often when um, you're watching a baseball game <laughs> – and Laz Diaz is umpiring. Yes. And yes. This, this might seem insignificant to people listening, but I started a Facebook fan club for a Major League umpire, yep. Laz Diaz. Yes. And I'll get texts randomly from Billy throughout the Major League Baseball season yeah. saying, <laughs> just like, Laz is on third or yeah. something like that. <laughs> Which I love that you <laughs> observe who the umpires yeah. are. Adam and I yeah, and any listener, no joke, has heard that I've unfriended almost 70% of my Facebook group. You can rush friends. I, not even rush, but it's also just mental health now. Uh, Yes, just, so, I, yes. I just don't need all of you strangers in my life. Like Goodbye. the internet video era of me saying yes to anybody who's ever seen a Harvard Sailing Team video has passed. <laughs> like my interests where I liked like fan groups and stuff, most of those have passed. Yes. I am now down to on my like Facebook friends or like like pages, <laughs> Burning Man and Laz Diaz. That's it. <laughs> oh man. That's it. The alpha and omega of fan pages. So that's what I'm getting. That's my newsfeed. Your umpire and my favorite art festival. I can't believe it. Like for some reason right now I feel slightly competitive with Burning Man. <laughs> Go figure. For Billy's allegiance. Yeah. For yeah. Billy's Facebook allegiance. What if I just tried to kind of court you and, and get you to dump the Burning Man webpage? Easy. Really yeah. Easy sell. Easy. Yeah. Easy sell. Arthur, will you tell us how the Laz Diaz fan page came to be? Yes. Okay. So I saw Laz Diaz umpiring it third base of Pirates Astros game yeah. in 2008 and uh, he was he looked so friendly he was yeah. he would get like a foul ball you know and he like gave it to uh, you know like a really nice looking kid he just seemed like a sweetheart from yeah. far away yeah. and I was little league umpire for uh, right. eight, 8 years that's right and so I identify with Laz because most of the people that you umpire with uh, are kind of boring pieces of dirt. Yes. Okay. Um, Laz, quite the opposite. Is that true? Uh, Most umpires you find are boring pieces well, of dirt? Well, I mean, no, just I, yeah. I wouldn't say that's entirely true, but yeah. they're not really, you know, they're not like brimming with personality. Right, They're, right. they're sort of uh, kind of wet blankets. They're, they're, like. they're yeah. not performers. Yes. Yes. They literally call balls and strikes. Yes, they're serviceable as, as people. Serviceable. Yeah. <laughs> their, their job on the planet is to call balls and strikes, to literally. be a, a judge precise in the moment. Service Unemotional. the game. Service the game. Unemotional so objective. I sort of half... In in earnest and half as a joke, started this fan club for Laz Diaz 
the Laz Diaz fan club. Right. Three months later, I get a Facebook message from Laz himself mm-hmm. saying that he's heard about the club, and he goes, why me? And I tell him, well, it's because I saw you at this game, and you looked, you know, friendly, really nice. friendly and nice. Personable. And now I, you know, I... I I just want to support you, and you know, and so he became a member of his own fan club. Yep, <laughs> and uh, I think he might have eventually gotten uh, kicked off of Facebook. I, I don't, why? I don't know why. <laughs> I, I I think. Oh no, he didn't get kicked out. I, I think he was. I think he was maybe asked to step away from Facebook. Interesting, because I think he engaged in a Facebook uh, conversation with a with a fan. Uh, I, I don't think he said anything inappropriate, but it's just it might like, just complicate the role. Yeah, they just want to keep integrity uh, or yes, whatever. exactly. Like, so relationships out of the digital sphere. Yes, the exactly. fan umpire relationship. Let's keep that separate. Right. But yeah. I am now friends with Laz, and yeah. we see each other a couple times a year. He'll get me like free tickets to a game. Yep, and then we'll go out for a beer afterwards Amazing. at Foley's. Do you guys know Foley's uh-uh. in New York? It's it's on thirty third. And fifth, and it's this like I would call it like the umpire hangout yeah. bar. Yo, <laughs> yeah. secrets yeah. revealed. Yeah. If you are looking to find your favorite heartthrob Jesus. umpire in New York City, yeah. Foley's thirty third and fifth. Yeah, it's where all the umpires get together. Hang Fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> I hop on the train to Grand Central, go back home to Connecticut. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, That's the hookup spot just for an, an umpire, umpire orgy at oh, Foley's yeah. every night. Giant ump orgy. That's yeah. funny. Arthur, one of the things I love most about you, you said sort of half sincere and half as a joke. And I just think that one of the things that I love most about you is <laughs> that you do really, in your art and in your life, I feel like, ride this line of doing things half sincerely, half as a joke. <laughs> I we, think you're right. I have yeah. both been members of an email chain that you have had going for years yes. called the Donald P. McMahon mm-hmm. email chain. Yep. And it's where uh, it's probably – how many people are on the chain at this point? Currently, I think uh, 429. 400. 29 people yeah. and everyone shares albums that they like mm-hmm. and uh, does little personalized write-ups about it and it's just a really wonderful way to get to know people in your Arthur's circle an extended circle and also sort of be flooded with a bevy of new music but it's just silly because you know in the email chain you, there's like a spot where people make up fake album names and it's both sincere and a joke and I feel like that is one of the delights of you is that you are both sincere and live life as a joke well that's exactly how I feel about you guys I mean I used to I, you know we used to of course I, I I mean, can't believe we haven't mentioned this so far. We used to all cater well, together. Yeah. We, we did a whole episode, episode with Dan Klein we, we called talked. Catering. I, oh, and I, I can't remember if I told you guys this, if I texted you or not. But you did, yeah. Yeah, it was... Uh, we talked my, about you plenty, I'm sure. I, yeah, yeah, I yeah. think it was the hardest I laughed like all year. It was so funny. Catering? Yes. Well, well, no. Listening to your guys' episode, Podcast? like oh. just recounting the memories of it because the, the, the vocabulary of Dan getting yeah. tired from cleaning kiwi, and uh, he was allowed to take a nap in the kitchen. Too <laughs> tired from cleaning a little bit of fruit. <laughs> Us remembering just the word Lexan. 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 Cut me in half. I was there the day that Adam got the day that Adam big was time. fired. Big time. It was Were just. You? It was yeah. such a because whenever I, whenever I used to work with you guys. It, I, it would just basically be like four hours of hysterically Goof, laughing. Goofing the hell right. off. And I kept worrying about getting in trouble because as an adult, I have always been worried that I'm getting in trouble. Like, I live my life on the like in fear yeah. of, of being about to get in trouble. Yes. And in that job, you feel, at least I felt like I would be about to get in trouble, but you guys fearlessly approached it. Well. And Adam, you, you, Adam, you especially Adam, did. I paid the ultimate you price. Sh- you showed up to the job one time with wearing like the wrong shoes, the wrong... You had, a, like, a, a shirt showing under your jacket. He was unshaved, white unshaved, and you had a mustache. You his, had, his jacket was covered in tomato bisque. Yes, in yeah. bisque. There were, like, six things wrong. Cake and he, he was 0 for 6. Yeah. There were six requirements to do this job, and Adam didn't check off any of the boxes. Yeah. You're fired. 
And I think we were at the I think we were at the Morgan Library. I, I think it was the New York Public Library. Or the New York Public Library. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. Right. And the Empire Hookup Bar. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and Adam at one point goes, he, you're just like, hey, Artie, you want to just like explore around the building and like and just not do our jobs? And I go, I don't know. I go, let, let me run. I'm, I got to run to the bathroom. I'll think about it. And I go to the bathroom and I come back and you're gone. <laughs> His plan was to already break the rules, <laughs> and he didn't even have the time to do that because he was kicked out for other rules he broke. That is so funny. You go, let me think about. It. Let me go to the bathroom and yeah, think about. Yeah, it. And yeah. I, I went. I went to the bathroom. God, I came back, Tight and then rope. you were. In the, and I looked around for you. Tightrope. And I, I couldn't find you. I go, where's Adam? And I go up to someone. I go, where's Adam? And someone goes, oh, he was just fired <laughs> on the spot yeah. on the floor. And it's funny because he wasn't fired on like a Friday afternoon when everyone's going home. He made it to the job where his, job. he was responding. They needed him. They needed his labor. Yeah. And like the job will suffer with him not here. True. And they still said, we're still going to fire you yeah. now. Still too caked and bisque. Right. What are you doing? God. Yeah. Well, holy mackerel. Well, that's catering. We talked about catering with Dan Klein. Yeah. But today, uh, our episode is going to focus on something that we all have uh, a relationship with to a certain extent. Late night. Late night. Late night. Late night TV. I think I, I could speak for myself growing up. Uh, I grew up uh, in a David Letterman household. Did you? Yeah. Oh, yes. really? Like, what did, What year did you start watching it? Like um, 88? Born in, yeah, I was probably like 88, 89 when my uh-huh. parents, when I started retaining that this is what my parents do when I go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Like, nice. this is the show that they watch. Not to say that it was like a Lennon versus, a Leno versus Letterman thing that didn't exist in my house. Yes. Mm-hmm. But just the vibe of Letterman kind of just like colored. He was very sarcastic and so real. And I know that you know him to a certain extent or you met him once. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, that's right. You were on a show. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, but was that true of you guys too? Did you guys have a late night host in your house that you guys all kind of like uh, related to? Or My personal parents, <laughs> my personal pan <laughs> parents, personal yeah, yeah, were way too square to like be staying up and like watching late night. That was okay. just, they're just tired. So they were never like up watching late night TV. However, my best friend Dan Siegel, I was often at his house late night. His mom, Big Letterman household. Yeah. yeah. It was a Letterman household. So yeah. that was my first thing. And she would just kind of be there, have it on, be smoking cigarettes, and just kind of fall asleep to Letterman in and out. Dan and I would sort of come up from the basement, and I would just like catch little glimpses of the Letterman show with sure. a cursory understanding of what TV was and what comedy is and sure. what it is. But Letterman was baked in there pretty early on for me, too. Yep. Definitely yeah. He, yeah. He's pretty interesting to me because I loved him, and I do not know why I loved him when I was a kid. Like, yeah. I remember tuning into an episode one time. Do you remember that? That infamous Drew Barrymore episode where she flashed him. Where she flashed him. Oh, she gets no. up on his on his desk. It's on his birthday, <laughs> and she just starts dancing. She's probably like nineteen years oh my old, gosh. and she just flashes him. Wow. And earlier in that episode, two people wore shirts to the show in the audience uh, that read "Happy Birthday, Dave." Huh. But if you separated them, one of the shirts would have just said "Happy Da," and the other would have said uh. "Birthday V." <laughs> and probably, I'm not even joking. Thirty times throughout the show, Letterman goes. Happy da birthday V. <laughs> and he just keeps saying happy da birthday V. Yeah. And there's no like jo- there's no joke there. He's just musing it's, at it. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just something but it made me laugh. Yeah. But we I I watch pretty much any 
comedy, like whether it was like Le- like Leno, Letterman, Caroline in the City, like any comedy show that the was big on three. TV. I would yeah, the big AKA three, the big yeah. three. <laughs> I mean, you know, kids were constantly being influenced by Caroline in the City. Like, you don't even have to list the big three. It's yeah, obviously Leah Letterman, Thompson's. Leno, and Caroline. Caroline. Yeah. Leah Thompson. Uh, but, yeah, no, but there was a magazine called Comedy Magazine. Um, really? That was around in 1995. They wow. maybe only had six issues of it. And they would reprint monologue jokes from, you know, mm-hmm. the best monologue jokes mm-hmm. of the month. And I remember writing down wow. Jay Leno and David Letterman's monologue jokes about, like, Spam and Tanya Harding and O.J. Simpson and stuff. And, f- like, forcing myself onto our sixth grade class and reading these jokes. Like, presenting them as my own stand-up. Uh-huh. Like, hilarious, as though oh, I'm telling God. jokes. Yeah. You are telling jokes. Listen to me, Arthur, and all of yeah. my Arthur's original ideas. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. That has become such yeah. a theme or, like, a trend with uh, when we have a lot of, like, friends or comedians on the show is that – it started at a young age. Mm-hmm. Like, like just these weird inroads of just knowing, like, I don't know who to tell these jokes to or where I should be performing. Like, Alana and Elliot Glazer, like, made home videos and made, like, their yeah. own, like, news program. And they would yeah. film it all. And it was, like, really intense. Oh, really? But yeah. it's, like, it makes sense that all of these are just, like, these, like, young, just, like, this is the... I have these shows in front of me, yes. and I just want to do it, too. It's yes. just very cute to see that we all have that in our lives. And yeah. furthermore, Arthur, didn't you and Elaine, your sister, have a late-night show that you guys would perform? We did. Big yes. surprise. It, yes. Did I ever tell you about this, Billy? Go on. It was called, it was called Meyer Kids Night. We started it when I was in sixth grade, which is the year that I really started becoming obsessed with Saturday Night Live. Yeah. So I thought, well, me and my sister should have our own live sketch comedy show that we perform in front of our parents Duh. weekly at 8.31 p.m. rather than 8.30 because 8.31, 8.31 is funnier. funnier. You it's have funnier. told me yes. <laughs> and Already honing an absurd sensibility from a young age. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> SNL's 11.35. Okay. That's weird. Yeah, that is weirder That's than weird. 11.30. Right. Okay. So we would write sketches every week and... Um, I really kind of cracked the whip. You know, I really wanted them to memorize their lines. Who's them? Uh, my sisters. Your sisters. Yeah. Uh, we would perform for my parents, yeah. just my mom and dad. Right. My mom liked the show. Like. My dad Like, hate- not love. Yeah, not love. Yeah. My, my mom liked the show and was supportive of the show. My dad, uh, there, the there are fewer things he would rather not be doing. <laughs> I mean, he, he hated the show. Why? Uh, 60 minutes? Was it a, was it a uh, full show? It was, uh, I think it was usually closer to like a half hour. Oh, come on, yeah, dad. Yeah. Buckle down. Yeah. Come on, dad. Eight minutes, dad. Jesus, what are you doing from 831 to 858? (laughs) He he had good reason for liking the show. The main reason he didn't like it was because uh, it sucked. Like, all the sketches were not funny. Well, you're children. Yeah, exactly. Is he holding you guys to the same standard that he's holding? He he was, actually. He was holding us to the same standard as, you know, like professional (laughs) show business comedians. Okay, not mad. Um, And the other reason is that, you know, we would do, like, for instance, an ER parody sketch where I would use ketchup as blood and be laying on the sofa. Don't need that. Arthur, get off the sofa. Arthur, yeah, get off the sofa. Yeah, and he he interrupts the sketch live <laughs> on air one night, and he goes, he goes, what is that? And I go, yeah. it's it, Dad, it's it's ketchup. But stop interrupting the sketch. It's supposed to be blood, right? He goes, you're not going to get blood on the fucking sofa. <laughs> I'm Team Dad. I'm, yeah, I, I love you, Arthur. Letterman has never heard. <laughs> love you, Arthur. I'm Team Dad in that scenario. Get blood on the sofa, or get off the sofa, get, Arthur. Jokes are important, but the sofa is more Jesus, important Arthur. right now. I thought the jokes were very important. <laughs> yeah. Uh, filmed? 
any of that on film? We did not own a camcorder. So yeah. it was all we, – we have a couple old scripts, but for the most part – You not, had to be there. Yeah. Be there, you man. had to be my mom or dad. Yeah. <laughs> the funniest thing, too, is I remember, like, when I was a freshman in high school, I remember getting really into the idea of, like, reunion shows. Yeah. And I was like, oh, we should have a Meyer Kids Night reunion. Cause, <laughs> That's funny. Because the show we, – we, we took the show, you know, quote-unquote, off the air – because my sisters started hating it, I would force them to memorize their lines, and they didn't want. And to be clear, to off the air is just off the couch. Yeah, it's just off, off the, the couch, couch. Yeah. out of the living room. So okay. uh, I'm a freshman in high school. We haven't done the show for three years now, and I talk to my sisters. And I go, "Hey guys, I'm, I'm thinking maybe we uh, maybe we do a Meyer Kids Night reunion." Back, back. Yeah, and uh, my little sister, I think, just to kind of end the conversation, just goes, well, fine, "Fine, whatever." Fine, I go to my older sister Elaine, and she goes. I'll only do it if you give me $20. Yeah. <laughs> Which was a lot of money at the time, okay, and I, I still consider 15? a lot of money. Seriously. Yeah. And so I go to my dad, who's very good with, with money and financial decisions, and I ask him, I go, hey, dad, okay, so here's, here's the situation. And he goes, like, you're interrupting me. I'm trying to work right now. I go, here's and you're covered in ketchup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm covered in ketchup. I go, here's the situation, dad. So we're trying to get the team back together, do a little Meyer Kids, a little MKN reunion. Right. And uh, Dell's in, Elaine's holding out, she wants 20. 20 what? Dollars. <laughs> what do you think? And my dad goes, don't do it. <laughs> Bad business. I love supportive dad. <laughs> Bad business. So we, um, we never did yeah, it. Okay. It fell apart. Um, it fell apart. Let's go into the first ad break. Jeez, uh, Helene. Arthur, you really... Arthur, does your dad have a favorite song? Um, oh, that's a good question. Yeah. He really... Well, I know... Can you guys play Beatles songs? Of course. Or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He can, he, his favorite Beatles song is For You Blue, which okay. is... Do you know that one? It's I feel like that's a really episode. good... It's on the album Let It Be. It's a George Harrison song. Great. Extremely good song. Okay, cool. For yeah. You Blue. We'll be right back. No Joke Podcast.
was For You Blue by a little band from Liverpool called The Beatles. Yeah, man. Uh, now, one of the first things uh, we first intersected with Arthur, you, and Dan, uh, well, we first met you at the Chicago Comedy Festival when you were still at Boston University with your college sketch comedy group. Yes, and you guys were just out of college, we were, like, just right? out, yeah. right? Yep. Um, but then we, you were in a sketch comedy group, Pangea 3000, while the Harvard Sound team was doing their thing, and you guys had a Beatles show mm-hmm. that still is one of the funniest things I personally have ever seen. <laughs> um, you did that show. I want to say that there was like the soundtrack for the show was all you had like remixed a lot of. It the was Beatles like fake songs. fake radio ads for the Beatles that yes. you know it kind of starts out as like a bre- breakfast with the Beatles, but it <laughs> quickly becomes a, a thing where it's like the Beatles. They were the greatest band of all time. They were the greatest. They were the best. No one was better than the Beatles. <laughs> it is just so funny, and it just like brought the absurdity of like hyping up the Beatles. Yeah, and I feel like that's your one rule on your email chain this is like no Beatles albums yes because just, everyone everyone would choose a Beatles I mean Beatles. not everyone a lot of people would choose a Beatles album yes I'm just yeah. gonna put it out there I chose Gangstar yes that's right yes, I chose Moment Gang. of Truth yeah and you yeah. chose uh, Wu-Tang Wu-Tang yeah 36 yeah. Chambers yeah oh yeah which by the way those were both the first times I'd ever listened to those albums what really? those are two of my favorite picks in Gangstar the whole I get but 36 Chambers I had never really listened to it before interesting yeah. fascinating now, uh, because you've worked on Jimmy Fallon you are a writer for Fallon and you've worked there for a while correct first time we're saying that on the episode. Oh, okay, great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, so, let's, hammer, let's hammer that home one more time. <laughs> Arthur, you are a hilarious, fabulous writer for Jimmy Fallon. 17 minutes into the yeah, episode, yeah. let's introduce the guest after the first ad break. Yeah. Yes, it's worth noting. Uh, but uh, you are in close proximity to musical icon Questlove yes. on a regular basis, who's mm-hmm. also a member of the email chain. Uh, has he given you any any deep and uh, incisive uh, musical secrets that you yes, can share with us? Yes, yeah. he, has great. A gr- he has a great one. Yeah. So my friend Zach Poitras, you yes. guys know Zach. Oh, yeah. He was he got married two years ago, and he asked me to DJ his wedding. And I had I had never been asked to do something like this before. Right. And I can imagine you guys might also feel very anxious about it. Like you really want to make sure that you get it right. Definitely, it's a, it's a wedding. It's of like course. the yeah. night people remember. Yeah. So I decided that I would talk to Questlove about it and see what his <laughs> see what his advice. Cool was. point, man. Yeah. yeah, right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna ask a DJ. I, I'm yeah. calling Adam. You're yeah, calling yeah. Questlove. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I go up to him and I I you know. Um, I'm telling him that I'm going to DJ wedding, and he starts recommending various like softwares to download and all these programs. And he probably talks for about five minutes about um, using like terms that I just don't. I, I don't know. Like right. all I, I I have an iTunes library, right. and that's it. Who sings "We Are Family"? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why Who I'm here. That? Yeah. I'm iTunes. Yeah. What do I search for on iTunes? And yeah. so I had to actually kind of interrupt him after a few minutes, and I go, "I'm I'm like I'm really sorry, Quest. I don't like." I just don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, and he goes, okay, I see. And he goes, are there going to be a lot of white people there? Yes. And I go, yep. And he goes, play Shout. <laughs> <laughs> over and yeah. over. A little bit louder now. Yeah. A little bit, yeah, yeah. And I played Shout. I waited till right around the end of the night. Did it destroy? And I can't tell you how many people came up to me and said that that was... The best like wedding moment they yep. have ever been. Arthur, mm-hmm. he nailed it. Just pick your spots. He knows that white people like he the song. <laughs> show pick your spots. And yeah. you were smart enough to be like, and so therefore I'm going to play it at the end of the wedding. Yeah, and like leave him on that note. Yeah. Right. Um, it's second act of the No Joke podcast. We're talking about late night television. Yes. Uh, all of our friends in some capacity, or at least I'd say all of our friends in comedy in some capacity, have always like aspired to maybe be on SNL, sure. write for a late night show, sure. have their own late night show, right. just something like that. Yep. 
of all of those friends, I personally would say that if I could choose one to actually have that happen to them, it would be you. I think it would be oh you, Arthur. God, yeah. And, yeah. and that, that's not hyperbole because yeah. at a very young age, I knew that that was one of the most important things to you. Oh, yeah. Like totally. it, it like consumed your thoughts. And so yes. when we found out that you and John were going to be working for Fallon, it felt so – I just felt so like the universe has finally taken yeah. care of someone. Yes. That's extremely nice of you guys. That being said, though, um, I always thought that you would be a writer or performer for SNL because you know – like you have like a genius's kind of oh. savant's mind towards it. Oh, yes. That's right. That's yeah. the world for you. So when you suddenly go – I mean did you imagine that first and foremost? Did you ever think like I'd be writing for sketch comedy for SNL? Um, that was what I – when, when I was a kid, that was the big – goal right. and i didn't right. know how i would get there but i was determined to get there right and um late night was always number two for me because i i really got into conan in high school yes. and i was mm-hmm. you know i mean you, i would see like brian stack and brian mccann yeah. on those shows and those guys were you know just as funny and versatile as any snl cast member but, totally you know they were doing stuff that was very like i don't know just like concepty and silly and yep. ridiculous and yep. you know the interrupter is like right. one of my all-time favorite comedy thing right and, so that was always number two, and um, to to be able to do that is right is yeah. great. You so know? you walk into Thirty Rock yeah. for your first week of work or something yeah. like that, and I, I'm only saying this as a friend, but I know how important a job like that, or like how magical that might feel yeah. to you. Yeah. What did it feel? Did it pay off? Was it what you wanted it to be it, on your first week? The first week. Uh, the first, you know, the funny thing is the first, like, we, we do shows there every day, and I sometimes think of SNL as like the, or sorry, I sometimes think of Fallon or late night shows as like the baseball season, mm. and SNL is sort of like the football season. Totally. Like, you oh, know, well done. Yeah. We do like 200-something shows per year, and so, you know, even the best baseball teams lose like 60 or 70 games yep. per year. Sure. So, we, you, so much of it is just about like, just you just go, you do the next show, whereas yeah. SNL, you got that big spotlight on. You yep. like here's the big it's show this week. Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we better make it good. Yeah. So if it's when a lot you're of there, it's a good call. Yeah. So when you're there for your first week of the show, all you really want is to just get like a joke on or right. something, a laugh in the writers room. Yeah, something like that. Right. So I got you know I pitched a couple ideas that didn't end up like getting on or anything, but sure. they were totally pitchable. Yeah. I got one joke on that week. Yeah. And then just the feeling of being there in the building, which yeah. I, I think is the best building to do comedy in. Yeah. I mean, or at least that's how I romanticize. Of it. course. But it was great. But it it did take me like a little bit over a year before I really felt like I had like earned a, a place there. Yeah. It mm-hmm. took a long time. Yeah. 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 I feel like the late night world too, just to sort of tie it back to, I feel like you're such a perfect fit for it, Arthur, you personally, because it is like the sincerity, absurdity meld. Yeah. That is like the tone of late night because it's bits and it's like absurd gags and jokes. And when you and John do your two fun men stuff on the show, it's so ridiculous and funny. And also there's like a sincere interview showcasing a guest component to it that is really depends on the host's humanity and just the people's oh, totally. actual not joking around Jimmy's just men- menchiness and his – Humanity. No, it's amazing. It's, yeah. Uh, I mean, um, <clears throat> you know, Bob Saget was on the show yeah. in 2013. And when I was eight years old, I wrote Bob Saget a fan letter. And it, 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 this, and we actually, my family kept a copy of the letter. And he was on the show. And I, you know, pitched this idea to Jimmy that I would just read him read the, the letter. <laughs> yeah. And he let me read the letter to wow. Bob Saget on the air. And I watched it on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> and I watched it on Facebook.com. This yeah. is a very yeah. weird world. Yeah. Um, late night can be very – it can just seem so magical and like kind of like when they cut to the back halls, there's like at SNL. I love – I've always loved back halls. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Same, same. But there's always like dancing girls. Yeah. And yeah. 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 Abraham Lincoln is always there. <laughs> but it takes work. 
work, man. Late night television takes a lot of work. Yeah. Like Adam and I hosted a show for a week, a daily show when we moved out to LA about mm-hmm. sports called Sports Talkers, right, and it's right. a lot of work. It's yeah. it's beyond a full time job at times. Yeah. What kind of hours actually go into like what is a day like? When does a like for fans of late night, mm-hmm. when does Fallon shoot? Like when does like what does your day look like? The show shoots at five p.m. Right. R- most writers there, I would say, get in around. 8.30 or 9, and then maybe leave at around 7.30 or 8 at yeah. night. 12-hour um, days. Yeah. I'm, I, uh, I probably get there at about, yeah, probably about 8.30 or 9, leave around around 8.30 or 9, and then off and go home and do more work and stuff. Yeah. But I, I also became the sketch supervising writer. So mm-hmm. my, you know, now it's just like all work all mm-hmm. the time pretty much. Right when, right. I, when I was a writer, it was a little bit less. But it was still, it's still totally a grind. I mean, yeah. it's... Uh, it's just a ton of work to yeah. put five shows on per week. Yeah. It is the, the baseball metaphor really makes sense to me. There is like an athletic endurance to late night where it's like every night. And if a joke didn't work, you throw it out. And it's just like it's just yeah, like which, sort of and, there's a disposability that's comforting. Yes. And yeah. Actually, it's really funny that you say the word disposability because I remember hearing Chris Elliott interviewed <laughs> on – I think it was maybe like Jesse Thorne's podcast mm-hmm. like 10 years ago or something. Mm-hmm. And he referred to his own comedy as disposable. Yeah. But he did not mean it in a, in a self-deprecating way. To me, it's a liberate. There's a yeah. liberation to That's that. how I think of it too. And it, yeah. it means that any idea you pitch, you don't really – you know, you don't really care too much. You hope it gets on, but if it doesn't, it's I'm not that big about of a deal. It. And that, to me, actually sort of uh, helps kind of define my approach to yeah. comedy. Yeah, um, I think I used to care about it so much and care and think that back in the my, Meyer kids days. Yeah, back in my yeah, yeah. kids <laughs> days, I really thought my ideas were so yeah. important. Yeah, and. There are fewer things more annoying than uh, working with someone who thinks that their ideas are right. important, especially in comedy. I think. But I think you yeah. need to develop yeah. that like salty shield a little bit, or like yeah. uh, that perspective, because yes. like it is the most important thing That's, in your life true. when you start. Yeah. At any venture you start with, whether it's comedy, art, anything. When you start it, it's the most important thing. Yes. And it should be treated as such. You you can't have the blasé attitude. You know, it's like we've all been doing comedy for over 10 years now. You know, so it's like, of course, we should be like, we understand how important and unimportant every single one of these jokes is. Right, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, no, that's completely true. And the attitude that I have is, I think, one that I've just developed because because I care about it so much. Yeah, right, 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 right. Um, and I'll and because I really have no idea what the hell else I would be yeah, doing. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Like, what, what else would you like? We, I feel like you guys would actually probably be good at doing a lot of other stuff because you're both very smart people. My shirts are covered in bisque, Arthur. I could <laughs> hold a catering job for one day. I, I'm not cut out for anything. Intelligence only gets anything. you so far. You still need to keep your shirts no, clean. Oh my god! You can't, you can't get the job unless you have. Battle. Yeah. Yeah. We asked Amir uh, Blumenfeld, the founder of HeadGum, the same question on one of the episodes we had with him, which is just like, you're obviously such a funny guy. Mm-hmm. Like, what would you want to do outside of like what you're doing? Or what do you, where do you think you would be right. if you never approached comedy or if college humor never reached out? And he said he would be a funny businessman. Uh, <laughs> I, like I would work in marketing. <laughs> I would just try and make commercials, I guess, and just try and be the funny businessman. The funny guy I mean, in, at in it. a way, that almost sounds ideal because, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I feel like any of us would probably be the funniest businessman in our whatever in our business sector. House. Yeah, yeah, our question business is, sector. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is, is how much we know about real jobs. In You'd business- be the funniest <laughs> businessman in your sector. I mean, anytime somebody uses the word businessman, you already know they don't, you don't know, know what, what you're talking, talking about. about. 
What sector of business are you in, businessman? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's again, it's like when you, when you tell somebody my brother-in-law yeah. works in finance, yeah. it's like you have no idea what your brother-in-law yeah, yeah. in finance. Yeah, if anyone ever says the word consultant or uh, finance, uh, or something, uh, I never know what any of that means. You must own very uh, a lot of shoes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> must own a lot of nice shoes. Right. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you say we go into the second ad break? The episode's Let's do flying right along. Um, or this is a song break, actually. Oh, Once okay. Um, do we have another song on our mind? <sighs> business. Maybe a business song. Uh, oh, yeah. Ooh. Is there sort of a, a, a business, like a, a working song mm-hmm. that comes to mind, Arthur, in your sort of endless catalog of music? Risky Business? Is that a song? Or is that a movie? That's, that's a, a Tom that's Cruise. a movie with... Um, what was the big song for that movie? Old Time Rock and Old Roll. Old Time Rock and Roll where he's dancing yeah. in his house in his underpants. Yeah. Oh, that's that? That's when that. he slides in? Slides in, in his underpants. Sure, yeah. sure. That's yeah. a big one. Do we, do we feel comfortable playing that song? Old Time Rock and Roll, is a great, it's a great one. I mean, we're shrugging. We're well, shrugging. There's not like a sense yeah. of like excitement where it's like, oh, that's a fun song we all stumbled upon. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. That was the first song. We true, true. Upon. Did the did the Meyer Late Night Kid Show have a theme song by any chance? Did you use any any popular music um, with you and your sister's late night show? Mm. No, not really. I don't think we just did. dad's groans and yeah. sighs were the soundtrack. Yeah, we did some sketch where we incorporated some song that he used on the Clueless soundtrack, but I can't remember okay. what that song was. It was one of those like sort of techno pop mid '90s songs. <laughs> cool. I got right? bad news. I think we're going with Seeger Boys. Seeger, yes. <laughs> Well, actually, That's not bad. Yeah. We yeah. explored it. We explored the <laughs> options. We're back at Seeger. It Look, is a great. It is a great. It's song. a good one. Yeah. Uh, the other option was a dancey pop song from Clueless that we don't know the name. Of. Yeah, yeah, we don't know the name of that. So one. we're back at Seeger. Yeah. Yeah. All right, this is Seeger. We'll be right back with the third and exclusive act of the No Joke Podcast. <laughs>
was Bob Seger, old time rock and roll. Uh, what a classic rock and roll song that is. <laughs> uh, off mic, Arthur, you were saying that that was the inspiration for one of the Fallon bits that you wrote. Yeah, it was yes. one of the first sketches I, yeah. I ever got on the show called First Drafts of <laughs> yes. Rock, yes. where Jimmy plays Seger performing the song for the first time in like 1983, I think is when it was released. Yes. And uh, the whole thing is just three minutes of him just going, just take those old records off the shelf. Those are some of the best put jokes. Those records back on the shelf <laughs> then take those records take them right off the shelf God. and then go ahead put them back, back on, on the, the shelf, shelf. <laughs> then is. take those records take them right <laughs> off the shelf yeah. Yeah. good 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 Arthur oh my god just old fashioned good it's, it is like such a luxury I would imagine right for Jimmy Fallon that it's just like any musical option is available to you he's he's amazing yeah he's, just he, like he is an encyclopedia it's actually yeah. really strange because he and Questlove know just more songs and musicians than anyone I've yeah. ever met. Hmm. Yeah. And they work together. Yeah. And he loves music. I yeah. think he loves music probably as much as he loves comedy. Jimmy yeah. Jimmy. So, and then you could give him any yeah. musical impression and he'll, he'll nail it. You can yeah. feel him doing these like Neil Young, Bob, Bob Dylan things. It's like this, you can almost like feel like this is your true, true happy place. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> speaking of music and Jimmy Fallon, uh, you once started tweeting to Justin Bieber. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Justin Bieber uh, started tweeting back to you. Oh, yeah. I know about or, this. And what? then he bought yeah. you a lawnmower? Yeah. Wait a minute. What? <laughs> this I is, need all the context. We did this bit on the show where we wanted to compare and see if Justin Bieber, because he would tweet something like... Cryptic and weird, or, right? Or he would just tweet the word hello, <laughs> and it would get you know hundreds of thousands of favorites and retweets. So we thought, well, let's see if I tweet the same thing that he does every day of the week. Let's compare and see who gets more favorites or retweets. So he you know, tweeted hello... And got, you know, 90,000 retweets and, you know, 600,000 favorites. And then, and then at then Arthur I, Meyer tweeted I, yeah, hello. I tweeted hello. And I got, like, four. four. Yeah. Still pretty good for a, yeah, a single word tweet. Yeah. Pretty decent. But then we did this every day of the week, and then by the end of the week, I actually was uh, getting into the hundreds. <laughs> Arthur! Yeah. And then, uh, then, he, he, then he ended up retweeting the same thing I tweeted, which was just the phrase frog lawnmower. And then they and because then, he had tweeted that no no because that was I, just an I Arthur just, original yeah and then and then the, he sent me a, a lawnmower covered with little toy frogs and stuff so yeah. <laughs> wait a minute he sent you an actual lawnmower yeah a working in, a working lawnmower what do you mean he sent you in the mail it arrived yeah Get, <laughs> it somehow arrived. he was at Jimmy yeah. Fallon and they got a lawnmower I mean if you're Justin Bieber you could probably just you know send a lawnmower send, to thirty rocks a lawnmower oh yeah. my god yeah. Yeah. Arthur yeah. now yeah. but that happened that's ridiculous you got all of, not all you got a ton of his fans <laughs> yeah. oh yeah on Twitter they all started following yes yeah. most of my Twitter of followers are believers Bieber bots believers. Yeah. Which is the best because, like, every third week, Arthur will just, like, tweet out randomly just saying, like, I lost 150 Twitter followers today. <laughs> <laughs> like, just the bloodbath of Bieber followers who are just running away Peeling from off. Because they're really upset because I no longer tweet <laughs> anything about <laughs> Justin Bieber. Bieber. Right. They, were, they were pretty – they're actually I, – I think where I went wrong was, um, <laughs> like, about a week after this Bieber bit that we did on the show, I tweeted – you know, believers are the best. I just, yeah, I was just so desperate and pathetic because my other tweets were not getting just as many favorites. Pandering, pandering to your new audience. Yeah, and how did it do? Yeah. Did, did they did they react they to that? Loved it. Loved it. Okay, they good. loved it. They loved it. But good. then Uh-oh. the foul pals, Jimmy Fallon's fans, Uh-oh. got really upset at me Why? They, because, because I, I was I was focusing on the believers. So they, I, I start getting all these angry. Tweets from the foul pal. Doesn't, so like yeah. <laughs> Doesn't sound like a foul pal. Doesn't sound like a foul pal. So I tweet, 
Yeah, I go, in reality, the foul pals are the best. Wait. In reality. That after the believers? <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. So, so, yeah. You're going to get run six, over by a we're, male. We're all six years old. Yeah. <laughs> all of us are we, six. We'd prefer to be. Yeah, yeah. We'd all prefer to act that way. In reality, <laughs> foul pals are the best. <laughs> so, so, and, these, and by the way, these are also, there's so many like people in their 40s who are both foul pals mostly. and believers. I'm yeah, sure. mostly, yeah. I'm sure. So then I tweet. I, oh, so then I start getting angry tweets from the believers. They're like, well, You're caught in the but middle. you said that we were the best. <laughs> so then I tweet what is still the most pathetic tweet of my entire life. And is this you pandering or is this you having fun? This is complete pandering. Yes, <laughs> Arthur. This is desperation. You're doing this with a straight face. Yeah. You're probably like a little nervous, like not nervous, but like were you feeling? I was very nervous. Yeah. I was not sure what kind of response I was going to get to. Oh, no. I tweet. Oh no! Foul pals and believers unite. <laughs> I got al- not, that, almost no favorites. I was about to or say retweets. that means nothing to no people. <laughs> <laughs> that means nothing to nobody. Unite, believers As if unite. Like, what? <laughs> to do you're, what? Yeah. You're not that. A, you're not that powerful. <laughs> you're not Justin Bieber or Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> okay, so them. like you don't have that kind of reach or power <laughs> for them to even consider. Unite, unite you, in unite. not being mean to me right now. <laughs> United. Yeah, what does that even mean? Unite. What would it even mean? Yeah. Like, what does that even mean? Like, what would physically change if they united? Oh my god! God, that's great. Yeah, that's yeah. really funny. God, right there. that's great. Be- so that was at the last. Was that your last Bieber kind of like Bieber inspired tweet? Yeah, ex- that was except it. for the ones that I periodically there. do now, where I'll I'll mention it having lost one or two hundred. God, it makes me laugh. And that they're mostly believers that I'm losing. Just yeah. the hemorrhaging of believers that just like I just. Imagine like polar ice caps or like glaciers were just like massive chunks, chunks of believers falling into the ocean. Into every- the ocean. <laughs> Foul pals hanging on. Foul pals hanging on. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> believers being hemorrhaged. Foul pals there for the long run. Yeah. So, so God, funny. Yeah, I've honestly Arthur. lost about 8,000 followers in the last four years. Yes. Deluge. Yeah. See ya. Yeah. 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 There was one week where, I ga- where it's, it went from like 36.7K to 36.8K. Huge. But then the next week it dropped to 36.6K. I wonder where that spike even came from. Yeah. I have no idea. Right. Yeah. Third act of the No Joke podcast. Uh, we are talking about late night. Our guest, once again, is Arthur Meyer. We're very lucky to have him. Yes. Um, now, the late night hosts. Yep. Jimmy Fallon. Yep. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel. Yes. Stephen Colbert. Yep. Uh, then we could throw in, like, Samantha B, who does it one time, uh, once a week. Uh, Bill Maher. Yep. yep. Are there any that... Um, that appeal to you or Conan, of course. I know that Conan's kind of been your North Star for a long yeah, time. Yeah, I've always said that he, maybe similar to you, Arthur. To me, Conan has always been my, I like to sort of like my comedy president. I feel mm-hmm. like if I had to like elect anyone like pr- like whose taste I just implicitly follow and yeah. trust and just admire. And right. He, yeah, North Star. Yep. Definitely my comedic North Star. I love Conan so much. Yeah. He's so irrationally important to me. I'm not like a fanboy about things like this. Mm-hmm. We have like a David Lynch episode where I sort of fanboyed out about David Lynch. But Conan is one of the few sort of people in popular culture who I feel like almost a evangelical loyalty to. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like almost a religious fervor about how smart and funny and great it I seems think like Conrad he could is. actually <laughs> teach a course in silliness. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like it seems like he actually has an approach. Yeah. Like yeah. a formula towards how to be silly in all environments. And yeah. it seems like it's never like instinct or just like raw just like just reacting to things. It seems like he has a formula to a certain yeah. extent. Yeah, he, he seems professorial. Gosh, about, yeah. about, about being silly specifically, yes. yeah. which is like so remarkable. I'm with you. I think that he's one of like for just so long. Yeah. And like I didn't like when the Leno thing happened where he gave him the Tonight Show then took yes. it back and then yes. lost it again. Yes. I never, 
I never like cared. I never found myself like feeling bad for Conan that he was right. being like uh, taken advantage of. Right. I just wanted the Conan. Yeah. yeah. Just that that was really sheer... my approach. I was just like, what's the what's the fastest way to the vein that we're going to get him back? Just from a consumer perspective, like, okay, if not NBC, then where's Conan? Gonna... Right. I don't care. But I just then, want Conan. Right. Yeah. Then when he, you know, those last few weeks of his tonight of Conan's Tonight Show, I thought were some of the some of the best TV I'd ever seen. Agreed. Agreed. He was and giving I'll... away parts of the set. Yeah. And he was... cars. He was tra- he was trying to make the like everyone who sponsored like spend exorbitant amounts yes. of money. Like yeah. he was taking the ship down with him. Yeah, it was, it was like some of the funniest Conan ever, and classic, like yeah, like like academic silliness. And yeah, violinist. but yeah. mad. Yeah, but like yes. outwardly mad. And that was, that was an interesting thing to experience. And I think that happened with the writer strike too, to a certain extent, when like all the hosts like still had to do their show, yep. but they all grew beards and stuff. Yep. There's something really rewarding about watching comedians have a different emotional response yes. to something or just not have to be their same character Agreed. each time. Specifically, hosts. Yes. yes. Like, actors and stuff. Like, Jim Carrey took a bunch of swings in dr- drama stuff, and sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. But hosts, when you can be yourself, yeah. there's something so captivating about it. And so, like, to see these people, like, to see these hosts have to be dramatic. Yes. It's very nice and, like... Real. They're yeah. in your house every night. There is like that everyday baseball thing about it. Like there is like a Las Diaz familiarity to it. Like these people are in your home every night. You do feel like you know them. And it is performative. And it's like there's Jimmy Fallon, I'm sure, Arthur, just like in the privacy of his own home. And then like capital JF, Jimmy Fallon, the Tonight Show host. And, and I, there's a yeah. mild difference. And you, the, uh, sort of a savvy audience can feel the tension between performative personality mm-hmm. and authentic personality. But – yeah, I think the most successful late night hosts make you feel like there is no difference. And I think that's why my family liked Letterman so yeah. much. Is that there was an ease or just like an authenticity to yeah. him. Where it was like when something was going wrong, he was the first to call it out. And yeah. he would react exactly like how me and any of my friends would if something else was going that's on. That's right. There yeah. was just a very like real sense of who this guy was. It felt like you were – this was the, something I heard about him versus Leno. When you went to the Letterman show, you were going on his show. And when guests would go on Leno, it would be their show right. and Leno would be supporting. It was right. like you were coming into Letterman's house. Right. Yes. You know? That's kind of how I feel about Jimmy Kimmel. I really – when I watch Jimmy Kimmel, I feel like I project his radio DJ uh, pedigree onto him because I see him really elevating. Whereas I think Conan is the funniest person in any room. Whatever room he's in, he's going to be the funniest one. You watch Conan because you're coming into Conan's house. Right. His sense of humor dominates. He's going to say the funniest thing. He's going to tag the conversation with the silliest thing. Jimmy Kimmel to me is just like a guest elevator. He's like a guest facilitator hmm, in the way that Leno is. Yeah. And it's like Jimmy Kimmel to me is really good at making the guest look great. Making the guest seem hilarious and charming and affable. And yeah. I feel like it's another side of the late night skill tool belt or something, but slightly different. I, yeah, it's, I, and it's really interesting to see all the different sides of it. Too. Yeah. But no, I mean, I agree with you. Like Letterman, I, I just, he, he has such a comfort with his own anger and disappointment yeah. about things, which right. You're, right. you're not really, like, you don't really see much on TV, or yeah. at least you didn't. And I think that was a lot of the reason why he kind of, you know, became really well like known. Like a sardonic because, late night host. Yeah, yeah, because everyone else was just flashy guest hosts. Right. Or, you know, like like big time celebrity yes. hosts, you know. Right, right, right. Nice teeth, nice nice hair. And then yes. you get this kind of like messy looking sort of ugly guy. Yeah. Who's kind sort of, of mess. like. A little pissed. Yeah, pissed most of the time. <laughs> pissed most of the time. Yeah, constantly disappointed in his own show. <laughs> real. Yeah, just real. Just like real. Yeah. 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 
makes fun of his own show, is disappointed in his own show <laughs> yes. right, in real right. time, actively for us. Yeah, yeah, is right. disappointed in us for watching, is disappointed in himself for doing it. Yeah. Right. It's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you're in L.A. because you're on a break? Is that what it is? Like yeah. The, the show's yeah. on a break? We just have a break from The, the Tonight Show. And mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'm really glad that you got to come through, dude. Oh, man, I had such a good time. You guys are the, you're best. the best. I, oh, I love you guys so much. Love you very much. Love Arthur. you too, Arthur. <laughs> very much. Yeah. Uh, that's the late night episode. Great. For the, so no, for the No Joke Podcast, I am Billy Scafuri. I'm Adam Lustig. Once again, we were very lucky to have Arthur Meyer on the show. Thanks, Arthur. Uh, and this was the No Joke Podcast. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>